As Jason says, it's Hebrews 1, chapter 1, to the end of Hebrews 2, chapter 4, correction, verse 4. Um, and that's on page 1001 in our church Bibles. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in those last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with all, with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, but the robe you will roll them up like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are, who are to inherit the salvation? Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received is a retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it is attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by sins and wonders, and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And just like that, we start a new series for the term where we hope to look through this whole letter to the Hebrews uh, one bit at a time. The first thing we see as we, as we open up this letter is that it starts by finishing something because there's something very final sounding about those first words of this letter, isn't there? Long ago, at many times and, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That sounds like a line has been drawn across time itself, doesn't it? That's what did happen long ago. God spoke to us by the prophets. Stop. Because now everything has changed. The times themselves have changed, verse 2. Now we are in the last days, and in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. 
So once upon a time, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but now he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus was a prophet, mind you. I mean, the scriptures are actually very clear on that. The people around Jesus uh, thought and said that at various times that he was a prophet, but he himself even claimed to be a prophet on several occasions. For example, uh, while he was in his hometown, he taught in the synagogues in Matthew chapter 13, and they took offence at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his hometown and in his own household. Or on his way to Jerusalem, perhaps. People tried to warn Jesus that Herod was looking for him and wanting to kill him in Luke 13, and he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. So Jesus is a prophet. No doubt about that. And in fact, I thought we'd call this series in Hebrews the prophet, the priest and the king because Jesus is all of those things. We'll see that in due course. But here's the other thing about that, and, and I'm sorry, but I can't help but give away the whole thing on this first verse of the letter. Uh, so a spoiler alert, I guess, stick your fingers in your ears if you don't want to hear this, but Jesus is all those three offices, prophet, priest, and king, but Jesus completes all those offices. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, but he's also the fulfilment of those things. This letter is going to show that to us. And so we might reread the first verse here and think of it this way. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, the great and ultimate prophet. Speaking God's word to us is, after all, the primary role of God's prophets, isn't it? And now in these last days, his son has done that. So of course Jesus is a prophet if you step back and think about it that way. But what this says is that Jesus is also the completion of God's revealed word to us. The word of God became flesh. Well, well, that's the greatest possible revelation God could give us, isn't it? The word of God become flesh. That's the point of what follows in this chapter, isn't it? Jesus is not just prophet. He's the most supreme kind of prophet that ever could be. He is appointed the heir of all things, that verse goes on to say. He's the one through whom God created the whole world. No prophet can, can hold a candle to that, can they? Not even fit to to tie Jesus' shoelaces, our other prophets. That's what the next most important prophet to Jesus once said. What about verse 3? He is the radiance of the glory of God. Think about those words. The glory that shines forth from God is Jesus. 
the exact imprint of God's nature. Think about those words. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Seriously, think about those words. There is only one person who can match what is being said here about God's Son, Jesus. God. He came down to earth to take on human form uh, so as to make purification for our sins, verse 4 says. But he was then taken back to God as his right hand to carry out his rule over all things. Therefore, he's even superior to angels, verse 4 continues. Angels, that the heavenly messengers who, who brought God's word to many of the prophets and priests and kings of old. And then the rest of the chapter strings out what we know of angels and what, by complete contrast, we know of Jesus. They are just God's servants for our good, but but Jesus created the heavens and the earth, verse 10 says. Jesus will bring all things to their end, verse 11. Jesus always was and always will be, verse 12, God. I mean, there just can't be any other conclusion from all this, can there, about Jesus. We know from Scripture, don't we, who created the heavens and the earth? We know who rules over all things. We know who it is who always was and always will be, don't we? So yes, Jesus is a prophet because he revealed God's word to us and God's will for us and God's plan for us. But so too Jesus is infinitely more than just prophet. God has spoken to us by his Son. I'd like to come back, though, for, for a second pass over these quotes here and think more about Jesus' identity in these quotes uh, next week, Lord willing. Today, I, I think we need to catch the framework that's being set out for us here to set us up for this whole letter, the framework on, on this part of it all, the, the weight of revelation that God has given to us through the Son. And in short, what God has now spoken to us through Jesus completes everything that he previously revealed to us through his prophets. I think we might take a moment to be clear on, on, on what verse 1 means here by prophet. We tend to use that word variously, don't we? Prophet. And so best we figure out what it actually means here. I, I think we could call these capital P prophets in verse 1 with, with their function as this, capital P prophets were called uh, to bring us God's infallible word as scripture. They wrote God's word, literally. And in that word, what were the prophets doing? They were calling people back to God's word and, and pointing us forward to God's coming salvation and judgment in Jesus, the Son. I think that's the kind of prophets on view here in verse 1 the ones who wrote the Old Testament scriptures. We also use that word, don't we, though, for, for lesser callings that, that don't involve writing scripture or, or bringing God's infallible revelation to us. And, 
And to be sure, the New Testament does continue to speak of an ongoing gift to the church of prophecy. So Jesus doesn't you know, conclude prophecy, I guess, per se. Uh, well, not yet, at least. But he does complete it. He does complete it in the sense of having now given us uh, the fulfilment of God's plans and promises to us. So in terms of what we might call that, that ongoing little p prophecy in the church, uh, that too should serve the same purpose of pointing our hearts and our minds to what God has spoken through the capital P prophets and ultimately in Jesus. Indeed, the, the Apostle John received very good clarification on this in Revelation chapter 19, uh, clarification fr from an angel uh, where he captured this vital truth for us to take a clear hold of prophecy. He says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's Revelation 19.10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. No wonder then that when Jesus came, the whole spirit of prophecy throughout all time found its completeness. By taking this journey through Hebrews, where we'll, we'll consciously be thinking of these three offices, prophet, priest and king, we'll slowly come to see that this, this, letter, this is actually a killer letter, this letter to the Hebrews, because it's full of blunt truths like this about Jesus fulfilling things that just kill false ways of thinking about Jesus dead. Does it really gently, though, just, just by presenting the revealed truth of God about Jesus in perfect clarity? So, for example, the, the Jewish religion that today still only has a hold on the Old Testament of these scriptures, what God said through the prophets of old, well, well that Jewish framework has, has been superseded by the fulfilment of God's word that, that he has now revealed through his son. Judaism is still stuck in a different age, according to these verses here. We're in the last days now that Jesus has come. So what Judaism is still waiting for, if they even are, well, it's already come. They don't know that, though. Or they don't accept it. They haven't received Jesus as the Son of God. Jews today need something like what happened to those two guys wandering on the road to Emmaus on Easter Sunday. Confused as, as, as to why Jesus died. You know, they, they thought he was a mighty prophet and, and maybe the one who the Old Testament had, had promised would redeem them. That they needed Jesus to come and open their eyes to understand those Old Testament scriptures. As we read in Luke 24, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jews today need something like that to happen, for God to open their eyes to see that Jesus fulfills everything in their scriptures. We might pray for that, and we might be encouraged in that prayer because there is 
a growing number of Jewish people, culturally Jewish people, that is, who, who have now received Jesus as the Son of God. Messianic Jews, they tend to identify themselves as. Uh, Christians, we would call them, just from a Jewish background. We might also be surprised as we work through this letter at, at how much it challenges other views that came along long after these scriptures were written and God spoke to us in his son. For example, in today's passage here, look again at those opening words, chapter 1 and verse 2, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. In these last days, that doesn't leave any room now, does it, for, for any more revelations from God. No room and, and no need for any more revelation. What God has revealed to us in the Son, the word of God become flesh, is the fullness of his revelation to us. It's swept in a whole new age, this is saying. God's word to us is perfectly clear and complete, which gently rejects views like those of Islam or, or the Latter-day Saints, worldwide religions that claim to build on what God has revealed to us in Scripture, religions that have developed their own sacred writings mediated through later prophets in, in their minds of, of things that go well beyond the teaching of God through his prophets and through his son in these scriptures. And what those further writings end up with is, is a whole different framework, a whole different religion and a whole different God. These verses of the Bible that we're looking at, though, don't, don't leave any room for that, do they? There's no room and there's no need for any further prophets to bring any further revelation. God has now spoken by his son. Why would we go backwards from that? I'm not saying that those other religions shouldn't exist in the world. This is not some kind of hate speech or anything like that. All those people are welcome to believe whatever it is that they would like to believe. And I cannot change that. But what I hope those religions can understand is that they have nothing at all to offer to me. Because it just doesn't make sense. According to the Bible itself, it doesn't make sense for those religions and their sacred writings to claim that they are somehow building on what the Bible says. Because when we listen to the Bible and to scriptures like Hebrews 1 here, we see that there is no building on what God has revealed to us now by his Son. When we truly catch the sheer supremacy of Jesus spelt out here, greater than any of the prophets of old, greater even than angels, creator of heaven and earth, ruler over all creation, eternally unchanging, the very imprint and radiating glory of God. When we truly catch that, 
why would we need to be looking for some other prophet or thinking that God's revelation through Jesus was in some way lacking or, or could somehow be improved? I can't read the Bible and see any more place for, for capital P prophets to write any more scripture, nor any more that needs to be revealed to me about God's will and plan and purpose and promises for our lives. What might we say then about this uh, within the Christian church? For all its correction to the wider world, this letter is written to the church. So what of these little p prophets, I guess, the ongoing role of prophecy in the church? Well, again, I can't get that clarification from Revelation 19 out of my head. Uh, The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you read these first verses of Hebrews again, Revelation 19.10 makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If God has spoken to us fully and finally now by his Son, then, then yes, the spirit of prophecy now is the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure, though, that that's how the Christian church understands uh, the gift of prophecy. On the one hand, this this testimony of Jesus Christ happens all the time in ways that are beyond our control and therefore given to us by the Spirit. Say through preaching when a completely unintended word just comes out and and hits someone. So too uh, when you're out there with the children in kids' church and that conversation just happens. Or in small group, when you're just given a, a perfect verse to comfort or encourage each other. When you give your personal witness of how you received the Lord Jesus in your life. And so on and so on. But for some reason, people don't tend to think of those things as prophecy. But the spirit of prophecy is pointing to Jesus, which the spirit can gift in unscripted ways during all of those kinds of things. On the other hand, when the church at large does invoke that word prophecy, it's it's sometimes about a thought that someone has had that has no connection to scripture and or doesn't glorify Jesus and might even point people away from Jesus. Other religions and, and the wider culture generally has fortune tellers and and things like that, with no sense of scripture whatsoever. I'm not sure we need that in the church. To be blunt with you, uh, people who bring no scripture and and just want to speak to my situation or, or tap me into my heart's desires, as they often do, are actually a bit of a red flag for me. What I'd rather the prophets of the church could bring to bear in my life is the word of God about Jesus Christ. The last days are upon us and God has spoken to us by his son. Wouldn't Christian prophets be tapping people into that? It's very hard territory to think through, but we must think it through because the New Testament and even Jesus himself repeatedly warns about false prophets who who would actually lead us away from him 
So we have to think it through so that we will spot these false prophets as false prophets before they spot us. We don't want to be led astray from Jesus, so we must test prophets. And the thing we must test them against, I'm more sure than ever after reading the start of Hebrews here, is the word God has revealed to all of us publicly through his Son and through all the prophets of old who pointed us forwards to that full revelation that came through his Son. Surely any ongoing role of prophecy in the church needs to be secondary to, subservient to, and completely in sync with the word God has revealed to us in Scripture that culminated in Jesus the Son. Yeah, connect my life somehow into that, if you would. Because Jesus is the very radiance of the glory of God. Supreme over all prophets, even over angels, sovereign creator and ruler of creation. (laughs) He alone fulfills the promise God gave us through his prophets of old. Who today has a word for me like that? Here's the warning, chapter 2. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God has done everything needed, that is to say, for you and I to know what we really need to know. The great salvation, verse 3, that he has held out to us in Jesus Christ. And the change that only that can bring. All the signs and wonders and miracles and gifts that the Spirit gives in the way that he discerns and every message beforehand while the whole world was waiting for the Son of God to be revealed, all of it has found its fulfillment in Jesus who has now spoken to us of God. So here, I suppose, is the take-home as we we take this first kind of look at this letter set out on this journey. You and I cannot afford not to tune in to Scripture and to this letter called Hebrews. Surrounded as we are today by no end of other voices, all of whom would claim to have something more relevant to say to us. But Scripture speaks to us the very Word of God about the Word of God, Jesus the Son, through whom God has revealed everything we eternally need to know and in whom we can have assurance and peace to the very depths of our soul. See, here's the framework that's being set out for us as we start our journey through Hebrews here, that scripture is beyond anything else we might be tempted to listen to and that Jesus 
is beyond everyone else whom we might be tempted to listen to. And yet the temptation is in front of us to drift away from him. Many people outside the church, many people even inside the church would have us drift away from Jesus. But we'll drift away of our own accord too if we're not careful. We too easily get distracted from God's word, don't we? We seek out words that seem easier or more comforting from somewhere else, anywhere else sometimes will do. Too easily we go for palatable or, or, or tantalising things maybe on, on Facebook or YouTube or whatever instead of meditating on God's word. Why? For my part as a Christian still being refined, I, I think it's because I'm not humble to sit under God's word. I'll let you review things for your part. For my part, I guess, as, as a pastor, I have to say this. If I ever fail to point you to the promises of Scripture for the sake of something else, then pull me aside. If I should start finding ways to proclaim my own wisdom over God's word, then have me corrected or have me replaced. Beware, there's nothing in me or my words that can satisfy the longing of your souls. Only the promises here in God's word, given to us by God, fulfilled in Jesus his Son, only this can save you and secure you and transform you for a life unto God. We must give our attention to what God has revealed to us in his word. Hebrews starts out by setting out a pretty blunt warning to us. So beware. It's a mixed up and lost and, and often deceitful world that we find ourselves in. And you can only truly trust the word of God. But take heart, because God has spoken. I hope you enjoy the series and that this letter uh, helps clarify your faith and, and brings comfort to your soul. We'll tune back into it again next week. For now, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your scripture. Thank you that that you would care for us so, that, that you would speak to us so. Thank you that you ultimately spoke to us by your Son. And we pray that you would teach us to prioritise what you have said. Teach us to dwell in what you have said. And comfort us as we do that. Strengthen us as we do that by the sheer power in your word. Open our eyes anew to the promises and the truths that you have revealed to us as we, as we journey into this letter. Help us to see it, Father. Uh, through that, please uh, have us give you the proper credit and the proper glory that you are due for all that we are and ever will be. In the name of your Son, we pray.
Amen.